Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the latest Daily Digest here on the Football Digest feed. Myself, Guy Clark and Connor Bromley here once more with our EFL-themed show as we talk all things Skybet Championship, League One and League Two. In the Championship, we'll talk about Nottingham Forest, who looked as though they were set for their first win of the season before Cardiff's come-from-behind win at the city ground. In League One, it's all about Sunderland and Wigan Athletic, who continue to go strong to start the new campaign. And in League Two, we're going to talk about Harrogate Town, who, in just their second season as an EFL side, are somewhat defying a few people's pre-season predictions. And Connor, I suppose that's the theme of where we should start, is pre-season predictions being thrown out as ever the way in the EFL and I suppose none more so this last weekend than at Bloomfield Road where Blackpool beat Fulham. Yeah and I think um, Fulham probably victims of the international break you know got a a squad full of players who were away and I think Blackpool probably less so probably had pretty much a full complement of players over that break but I mean if you look at the statistics from the game you know Blackpool had 29% of the ball very much had a feel of a you know a smash and grab cup tie and you know fair play to Blackpool for, for coming out with the victory I think they have played quite well this season been a little bit um, unlucky to not have maybe picked up more points for Fulham you'd hope it was probably you know just a, a little blip for them you'd think they would come back strong um, you know looking ahead who they got in the next game Birmingham City away that won't be an easy game chance for them though to, to bounce back and kind of prove them early season predictions that they would probably be there or thereabouts quite comfortably towards the end of the season. Yeah, a few other standout results to talk about from Saturday. Of course, there is a full midweek round of fixtures going on in the Championship. So we won't spend too much talking about those because by the time you hear us, they probably would have already played out. But Sheffield United getting a win on the board and no less scoring six goals against Peterborough United, who I think it's fair to say are maybe struggling to adjust to the step up. And I have to say, having seen them earlier in the season at Deepdale when they play Preston North End, the thing that jumped off the page to me when I saw the team lineup was they have a number of very smart League One players within that. There's not a great deal of championship experience making that step up. And Johnson Clark Harris, albeit scored for Peterborough, but it was in a 6 2 defeat. Yeah, I think that I've seen them play, you know, the big derby earlier in the season. I think that game was on the TV and we watched, I watched that one. I didn't think they played particularly well that day. Got fortunate with two very late goals. And bearing in mind, Derby are a team that's kind of going to be towards the bottom of the league come the end of the season. I think Peter Brett are a side that maybe haven't done enough in the summer. Um, you know, one win, one draw so far, 6-2 against the Sheffield United side, which admittedly maybe they played them at a bad time because they've been hurting after a bad start of the season. Um, Illumin and Dai came in and, and made his first start and, you know, scored two goals and was excellent. Morgan Gibbs-White from Wolves is a, a player that is a top-end championship player. Surprising that Wolves haven't really given him as much of a look out in the Premier League. So it wasn't a surprise to see Sheffield United kind of come around and, and get that big win. Peter Brown, unfortunate that they were the ones who were the, the whipping boys behind that. I think for Sheffield United now, it's important to build on it. I think the last thing they want to do is is be like what Sunderland were when they came down the championship or Stoke when they came down the championship, you know, really struggled. Huddersfield is another one who struggled when they came down from the Premier League. Sheffield United need to build on this and get towards the top end of the table. I mean, if you look at it, West Brom have got 14 points. Sheffield United have got five. So they're already nine points off where they need to be. So they need to make sure they they back up 
that win against Peterborough with, you know, maybe three wins out of five to really push themselves up that table. Yeah, most definitely. Smart wins as well for Stoke beating Huddersfield 2-1 at the bet 365. And also for Coventry City, who do look as though they've the makings of dark horses about them at this early stage of the season, both Victor Gokoresh and Martin Waghorn on the score sheet there for Coventry City. We mentioned it in the intro. Let's get into it. Nottingham Forest. I mean, it seems to be a really puzzling one for me, Connor. I thought Chris Hutton going in there was a smart appointment. Let him have three quarters of the season, if not longer last season, to have a real good look at what he needed to do, much like when he went in at Brighton and Hove Albion, and then really sort of set them on course towards a playoff push at the very least. And yet it just doesn't seem to be taking off for him there. No, and I think Sheffield United, sorry, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest are a bit of a, a calamity club. You know, I think for years, they've been a team that have consistently spent money but maybe in the wrong areas. And, you know, you watch them against Cardiff and Cardiff deserve to win the game. And and every time I've seen Nottingham Forest this season, I've been disappointed to play Derby the other week and were disappointing. You know, that was a game that they had to win and, you know, sort of scrape through a draw. And I think I saw a statistic where they've only won like two of the last 20 games. Their form has been absolutely terrible since the turn of the year. And you would worry, you know, they're a team that have fell into League One before. And I think on the basis of what we've seen so far this season, even though they've got a talented manager, you would like to think would turn it around. You you would say so far there's been no evidence. There's nothing to say that although they've been unlucky, they've been creating chances and not scoring. They just look like a team that are a bottom-end championship club. And then that's a, a big worry. I think I would worry about their financial state if they were to get relegated to League One because they have, over the years, spent a lot of money. They've probably got one of the bigger budgets in the league probably think they'd be in the top third of budgets so it's a it's a real concern you know and if, if they did sack Chris Hutton as well no doubt he's going to be one of the higher paid managers in the league and you know that'll cost them money and they're just in a, a real bad predicament at the minute and you know Cardiff going there Cardiff are a, a pretty strong side they're a, they're a difficult team to play but you would like to think Cardiff at home is the one way you at least pick up a point so to see them get beat six games you know, one draw, five defeats. It really just doesn't make good reading for Nottingham Forest fans. I, I know it's easy to kind of cast dispersions from the outside and looking in, but to me, one of the big things there is the complete lack of stability. And even talking in the transfer window, the amount of player turnover there is at Nottingham Forest, it, it feels like it's like no other in the EFL. Now, they buy a fair few players. They don't seem to always generate that much. Yes, in, in recent, they're not too distant past. They've sold the likes of Ollie Burke. They've sold the likes of, of Ben Brereton, as he was then, Ben Brereton-Diaz these days, of course. But they have recouped a bit from academy youth players who've come through. But in terms of senior pros who they bring in, very infrequent is it that they'll bring a player in and sell him on and actually make some some bit of a, a profit on it and it doesn't feel sustainable they've had all these different managers they've tried all different things they've had the likes of Mark Warburton you see the job he's now doing at Queen's Park Rangers Aitor Karanka who's got Premier League promotions on his CV too Sabri Lamushi was a left field one but it looked as though it was all going brilliantly again last summer after just missing out which they really shouldn't have done as as we well know a big player turnover and then Chris Hutton comes in. It's the same story yet again. Is it case for Nottingham Forest, I suppose, that they are going to have to go through a bit of pain and have a manager in there who it is effectively clearing the dead wood 
hitting the reset button and really going. Yes, there's going to have to be even more player turnover, but surely they need to stick with a manager. It's incredible the amount of managers in particular they go through at the City ground. Yeah, and I think that approach of changing managers, what you end up seeing is, you know, a manager comes in and he goes, oh, I don't like this these players. I'm going to get rid of six. I'm going to bring in 10 and then he only lasts a year, you do the same thing. And then eventually you're looking at what Chris Hutton's got now and there's players that have maybe been through three or four managers. And it's just the constant turnover of managers, new ideas coming in, new play styles. And I think it can catch up with teams. You know, you, you've seen in the past there's been clubs whereby slowly the change and constantly does end up biting you in the rear end. You know, I remember... I mean, I'll talk about my club again, but Sunderland, you know, did this for years, constantly changing managers, and then you're left with a squad that doesn't make any sense. And I think that's the concern for Nottingham Forest now. They, they don't have a, whether a club that don't make sense, that's probably the best way of putting it. You know, they, they really don't make sense. Yeah, in terms of the managerial thing, I, I, I think I'm right in saying this. I, I may well be proven wrong, and I'm sure if I am, I'll, I'll be made to know about it. But I think when Billy Davis took them to the, the championship playoff semifinals in 2010, I believe it was, since up until Sabri Lamushi 10 years later, and now obviously we're 12 seasons beyond that, Lamushi was the first manager since him to go through a whole campaign as the manager of Nottingham Forest. Such has been the turnover. Now, there's been different ownerships during that time as well. There is often a bit of discontent towards the ownership at times in terms of maybe some trigger-happy decisions made in terms of managers or, or players or, or whatnot. But to me, it feels as though whilst... Chris Hutton isn't getting the results and it is, at the end of the day, about results and ensuring survival. Maybe Forrest do need to stick with someone and actually rebuild from the ground up with some stability, ensured footedness, because at the moment it is just a case of, right, that one doesn't work, let's rip it up and, and go again. And it's very short-term gains and at the moment there there are none. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the decision that the the hierarchy at Nottingham Forest have got to make. You know, if you if you stick with Chris Hutton, then you really need to say to him, "Look, we're going to give you the season, no matter how bad it gets. We're going to do that." I, I just think with their track record, that's just not going to happen. And you wouldn't be shocked if you know we finished this, recording this podcast and there was a you know tweet from Nottingham Forest saying that the that got rid of the manager. But you just think that looking from the outside looking in that that club is on a downward trajectory. And I don't think any manager would go in this season and be able to, I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but would be able to turn it around and get them towards, you know, the top six, which is probably where Nottingham Forest think they should be after, well, just looking at the team and the, the experience they've got. It's, it's really, really concerning, you know, just really worry that if they were to go down, they'd be in a really, really bad financial state and would be left with players on big contracts. I mean, you've got to wonder what, you know, Lewis Graben is earning. You know, is he going to be twenty to £30,000 a week? That wouldn't surprise you. You look at Lyle Taylor, who obviously did very well at Charlton and moved to Nottingham Forest. He's not going to be on, you know, pennies. He's going to be on a very good wage as well. And you look at that whole team and it's really concerning, you know, really concerning if they do go down. Yeah, definitely. And and since reaching the playoffs in, in 2011, there have only been, what is it, four, three, four, sorry, yeah, it is four top half finishes. And yeah, one of those was an 11th place finish in 2014. So it isn't a club who 
really have been punching where they want to. And obviously we hope that they, they do get things sorted and get to where they want to be. But it, it does feel as though stability more than anything is the one thing that Nottingham Forest need. And if anyone at championship level is a safe pair of hands at the wheel, it, it is Chris Houghton. But we'll have to keep an eye on that because, as you say, it is about the results. And you wouldn't be surprised there was even a few murmurings that maybe after the defeat to Cardiff, things may well have gone awry for him. But even after taking the lead in that game, you never really had the confidence they were even going to get a point. It always felt as though the game was still there for Cardiff to win, not not even just take a draw. Yeah, and that that's so concerning when you see teams at the bottom of the league in any league. You you know you know you have that feeling when you're watching them, or, or you know if you're at the game that there's a nervousness within the ground and there's a nervousness within the players. And even when you you're going well and you take a lead, you still have that niggling feeling. And and you know Cardiff preyed on that and were able to to turn a game round for Nottingham Forest. That's the issue. You know, had they managed to hold their nerve and pick up the victory there, we'd probably be sat here thinking, okay, they'll probably pick up. Getting that first victory is going to be huge for them. And maybe that's where the turning point is. You know, if if Forest do stick with Hutton, which I hope they do, you know, and the pick up, say, a win this week, things start looking a little bit different. You know, they're at Middlesbrough. Hey, they've got Middlesbrough at home. Middlesbrough aren't doing particularly well this season. That's a game where if the, you know, play well, they could very easily win because Middlesbrough are a side that, that's struggling towards the bottom of the league. And if you do win that, there's just it snowballs, you get a little bit more confidence and things start looking more positive. But if you lose that game, you you do probably think maybe they will make a change because you can't not pick up any points from Middlesbrough and, and Cardiff at home. Let's get into League One then and talk about your team, Sunderland. They've already had a mention or two. Wigan are chasing them down, it feels, even having lost the Stadium of Light on the opening day of the season. They've been unbeaten ever since then and going along well. But talk to us about Sunderland, who we talk about stability, seem to have got their ship together. Yeah, it's been a, a long time coming. I think for, for Sunderland, you know, you look at who they've played this season. Wigan in second place, they've played they've played AFC Wimbledon, who are in fourth, MK Dons, who are in fifth, Akron Stanley in sixth, Burton Albion seventh, Wickham in ninth. So the fixture list this season hasn't been particularly kind. You look at the, the early pace setters, but the, they've came out of it, you know, pretty well. I think Ross Stewart just continues to to prove that, you know, Charlie Wyke while he was scoring a lot of goals, wasn't doing the other things. And Ross Stewart's bringing in other players. And I think what you saw last year with Sunderland was is I had goal scorers, not not many goal scorers outside of that one main striker in Charlie Wyke. Now they've got other players scoring. You know, Dan Neal, a young academy project uh, product, came through, scored at the weekend, got his first goal. Elliot Embleton's been doing really well and he scored a goal or two. Lyndon Gooch. You look throughout the team and you go, right, okay, there's actually goals now all over the park. Last season, it was Charlie White, Aidan McGeady. I think Grant Ledbetter was like the second top scorer and he had five goals. It was something ridiculously low and most of them were penalties. Now it feels more like that it's spread out. The worry is, is what a defeat will do. You know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Sheffield Wednesday. They were doing really well. I think they had 10 points from the opening four games and they've, they've came back with two straight defeats. How do you respond to the defeats? How do you, do you, you know, manage with that disappointment when you're a big club at this level? I think Sunderland hopefully have that experience of this level to deal with it a bit better than maybe Sheffield Wednesday have. But it's looking good, up, 
slightly optimistic that it could be our year, but I don't want to feel like it 100% is yet. Yeah, because every time we've bigged up a team on this podcast to date, they've obviously, as you said, then had somewhat of a fall. And I'd say one of the teams I was impressed with early part of the season in League One was Portsmouth. They were going along quite nicely. And now they've sort of won three games without a win, but also without a goal as well. And I think that is one of the key things in this division, isn't it? Having those players who you know, you mentioned Ross Stewart before, will be a good guarantee for goals. Sunderland have Stewart with Wigan Athletic. Wyke isn't scoring, but with the likes of Will Keane and Callum Lang in the squad who ended last season in blistering form as well, they know they've a guarantee almost of goals. And Bolton Wanderers in third with, with Owen Doyle. It feels as though those sides at the top end know where their goals are coming from. Yeah, and I think for Wigan, you know, and we, we saw that opening day fixture between Sunderland and Wigan and the first 15 minutes, Wigan were blistering, you know, and I thought that day, I was like, well, even if Sunderland were to get something from the game, which fortunately they did, but even if they were, Wigan looked like a team not to mess with, you know, they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And it didn't surprise me since then, they've picked up four wins in a draw. So other than the opening day game against Sunderland, Wigan have actually picked up, I think, more points than Sunderland because um, yeah. they, they haven't lost since. The thing is, is with Wigan as well, I think they've got the best defence in the league. Oh no, Portsmouth apparently got the best defence in the league with two, but Wigan have got a stronger defence than Sunderland. And if you have that backbone in the championship, uh, in League One, sorry, clean sheets is, is where you, you know, that's where you pick up your points in. Yeah, Sunderland one of the, the, one of the, the, the one game, sorry, just about in the one game that Wigan haven't won since that defeat at Sunderland was at home to Wigan Wanderers, who scored in stoppage time pretty much. The last play of the game from a corner, Anthony Stewart with a header and it was in at the back post. And and that very much the fine margins that, as you say, it is built, having watched Wigan an awful lot, it is built off of a spine that has been brought in with players with promotions on their CV and that they kind of know the course. So at the moment, you might say, oh, it's a strong start. It looks as though certainly Sunderland and Wigan have squads built to, to last the course. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. And if you look at the teams below, I don't think many people would have had Bolton, Wimbledon, MK Dons, Accrington, Stanley, Burton, Plymouth, Wickham. But maybe Wickham is probably the one we'd expect to be kind of up there. But the teams below Sunderland and Wigan are not the ones teams would have expected. I know people were thinking that Bolton would probably have a good season, but I don't think people thought they would be third place. I think people thought they would maybe be top six. Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, you know, Oxford, Lincoln. There's so many teams you look down on. Obviously, Ipswich as well you'd expect them to have so many more points. And I think the one thing for Sunderland and Wigan is, is you would expect that them teams will pick up at some point. But if you're already that far ahead of them, I mean, God, you know, look at Sunderland, they've got 15. Ipswich have got three. So Ipswich have got like 10 to 12 points to pick up just to get towards the top two. And from now at the end of the season, that that's quite a, a challenge to, to pick them points up. And, you know, I mean, we may as well move on to talk about Ipswich now. You know, you see yeah. them at the weekend. 5-2 at home against Bolton and it, it's it's almost beggar's belief. You look at the quality of players they've got and the quality of manager that they've got and it just doesn't seem to be clicking. 15 goals conceded, which is the, the most in the league. I was going to say it's the opposite of what we were just saying there about the teams at the top, that it's the sheer amount of goals conceded. They've scored 10 goals in six games. That's not bad going, but it's at the other end where they've got the problems. Yeah, well, they've scored the same as Sunderland and they've scored more than Wigan, you know, And but if you can't, keep that defence going. The concern is there, is it? it's like a snowball, isn't it? You know, when you're a big team expected to do well and you, you've had a terrible start of the season, 
every game becomes bigger because every game's a you know a must must win and the fans feel that because what turns out to be you know a Tuesday night against Cheltenham at home where you're like oh it should be you know comfortable evening turns into a high pressure game because if you don't yeah. win it and how long does it take you know if we're, we're sat here after 10 games in which they haven't won a game but how long does it take and still the all word starts coming out and then it can just man I mean I don't think if we're going to get relegated don't get us wrong but you you never know in this league it's so crazy and they've struggled so much at the start of the season and you never know if there's going to be a bad decision made you know will they change their manager because of the start of the season you just don't know and it, it can snowball but it's it's really concerning just the manner of which the they were 2-2 in that game at half time I think and the second half was just abysmal and it's concerning really concerning for Ipswich Town yeah, but full credit to Bolton and uh, yeah, Affalion on the, the left wing looks as though he's, he's going to be some player for, for Bolton Wanderers as well. Let's finally then finish off in League Two. Mentioned in the intro, Harrogate Town, who for me is really just defying all expectation. Only unbeaten side left in League Two. They're just two points behind league leaders Forest Green, but they do have a game in hand. 14 points from six games for a side in just their second year in the EFL. It's not bad going. Yeah, but you look at that top four in League Two and they're all recent non-league clubs. Forest Green, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they've, they've kind of been in the league for a few years now, but they are a, what you'd consider a non-league club. They're a team that most people are like, oh, they're punching above their weight. Harrogate, of course, you know, getting in there is very good. Leighton Orient have been in the uh, National League very recently and Hartlepool, of course, just promoted. I think the difference between League Two and the conference is it's very small. You know, the top end of the conference, I think, is is as good as the middle of League Two. You know, and that's why it's such a competitive league when you when you drop into the National League and it's so difficult to get out of because the quality of teams is so high. It's no surprise, though, to see um, Harrogate towards the top of the league. You know, I think they've brought in Jack Diamond on loan from Sunderland and, and he is arguably a League One player. You know, he's not done anything wrong in League One and he's dropped out in League Two. And I think that's probably because Sunderland didn't want him competing against them. You know, they, they wanted to see him in the lower league so they didn't have to worry about him themselves and see a team pick up points because of him and watch the highlights from the game. And even though he didn't necessarily contribute anything, you can see just how dangerous he is. He's so direct. And I think Harrogate are, are going to probably be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. They're a well-run club, um, you know, very good training facilities. I know Paul Farewell, who used to play for Sunderland, I've spoken to him quite a bit over the years and he's always been insistent that they're heading in the right direction and he thinks that they're going to be you know pushing towards league one a few years and, and it could be that this year is there yeah but really impressed with them so far disappointing actually to draw at the weekend against Newport County because they probably thought that that was a, a winnable game at home but unbeaten that's what you've got to do you just got to stay unbeaten and, and pick up points even if it's draws that you didn't want it's still points on the board yeah, it was one or two Friday night games in the last round of fixtures. And Harrogate aside, who last season, beginning of their, their first EFL campaign, things were disrupted somewhat with their artificial surface having to be ripped up and a grass pitch laid down. Sutton United are now in that position themselves and not adapting to life in the EFL quite as well, but even below them, propping up the whole of the football league now. I think it, it's probably fair to give the accolade of the crisis club of the the 72 right now Oldham Athletic who just seem to now be be dropping like a stone and it's not nice to see at all and the supporters very very vocal indeed and understandably so yeah it reminds you a lot of Southend doesn't it you know it's it, a club that 
it's probably a League One club, a League One club that you know could get in the Championship. I think that's. Well, they played in the Premier League. Yeah, that's true. They have played in the Premier League. You'd think of Oldham though as being a club though that that should be you know shouldn't be in League Two, and if they're in League Two, they should be pushing to get out of it. But for years, you know, they've been swimming against the tide. It feels like for the last ten years, Oldham have been on the verge of a crisis or in a crisis, and you would hope you know that they wouldn't fall out the league because I think. You know, they've got quite a large fan base. They've got a decent enough stadium that they've got history, you know, and you would like to think that they would be able to bounce back from it. But you look at it, you know, they conceded 14 goals. They've only scored four, only one victory this season. It, it doesn't make for very good reading. And, you know, you mentioned Sutton United as well down there. For them, I would think that the fact they've only lost two of the five games probably means that maybe they are Justin. Obviously, you've got two games in hand as well, which are, which you know play in their favour. But yeah, you, you do worry about Oldham, and I, I definitely see similarities between them and Southend United. Yeah, after twenty-one successive years in League One, it was twenty eighteen they they dropped out. And just looking there, I think it's last season was the first time in eight years they hadn't finished kind of the, the following season either level or worse. They'd actually had an improvement on league position. They went from nineteenth to eighteenth. And obviously nice. the, the season they finished 19th was the season that was curtailed because of, of COVID as well. So not really any improvement for them anyway. Well, that's it from us here on this edition of the Daily Digest. Myself, Guy Clark and Connor Bromley. Do make sure to subscribe wherever it is you get your audio on demand, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Acast or any of the major platforms. We are wherever you want to listen to your audio on demand. So as I say, just give us uh, well, hit subscribe and you won't miss an episode. We are, of course, with you Monday to Friday. But from myself, Guy Clark and Connor Bromley, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. <laughs>